They've watched us just totally shred down and be healthy and happy and fit. And he's 58, I'm 53. Like we're reversing our age. Welcome to the Fearless Happiness Podcast, where we showcase phenomenal individuals who have overcome serious traumas, life obstacles, and challenges to find their own path to fearless happiness. Listen as Max Nace invites guests from all around the world to share their experiences and spread strength, hope, and faith. This is the Fearless Happiness Podcast, and this is Max Naist. All right, everybody, this is Max from the Fearless Happiness Podcast. Like I always say, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in this world. Today, I have two amazing guests that I've been following for quite a while now, and they got an amazing story, and I wanted to bring them on so that the world can hear how they overcame their challenges and are where they are today, the successful people. And they did it as a couple, which every time I see their lives, whether it's separate or together, I get so inspired listening to these guys. You guys are going to love it today. So what I like to do, you guys, uh, Mike and Beverly, is have you introduce yourself to my audience and let them know who you are and what it is you do. And then we're going to rock and roll. My name is Beverly Sloan, and I own Elite Putting and Packaging with my husband, and I also just launched a um, fitness and health and mindset coaching program. And I'm Mike Sloan. Uh, I'm the founder of Elite Printing and Packaging. And we are partners together in all aspects of our life, business, and everything that we do. Awesome, you guys. I love it. So what I like to start out with you guys, right? Like you guys got a beautiful fireplace, by the way. So tell everybody, right? Like who, I don't care who starts, right? But Give the audience like a little history of where you guys have come from, the challenges you've overcome to get to where you're at today in this in front of this beautiful fireplace and here on my podcast. Um, you go as deep as you want, or you know, but this is your story, and I want the world because what I've witnessed over following you guys over the last few months and stuff is it's amazing, everybody. But I want them to tell it because it's quite a story and they've come so far, and I want to show the audience how far you guys have come. So whoever wants to start, go ahead. I don't care, but sure. ladies first, right? Go ahead, Beverly. Stage for a moment. <laughs> uh, my drinking started years ago. I was in the entertainment, entertainment industry and it was welcomed to drink back then. And I would say that I was like one of those micromanaging alcoholics is what I'll call myself because I truly was like, I had it dialed in, like how many shots I was going to do a day, not to go over that. I would do one an hour. And then because I knew I'd feel like horrible the next day. And so I went on like that for probably about 12 years, micromanaging my alcohol. And it would be anywhere from three to six shots a day. And I would rotate out because I'd start feeling horrible. So I'd switch over to wine. I would do vodka. Then I would go over to beer. And it was kind of like, like, my body was telling me, I hate your guts. And I would just keep alternating different alcohols, thinking that it was the alcohol that was causing the pain that I was feeling and the physical like pain that was going on in my body. After that, I ran into Mike and we are partners in crime, like perfect partners in crime. <laughs> Everything we do, we do big. That's just the way that we are. And we did big and we did large. And when we met, we lived lavish and i'm gonna let you take over from there so that way i'll finish the story after yeah so just to kind of touch on 
my background when it came to drinking. So um, I had no alcoholism in my family, at least that I know of. Um, I really had no adversity growing up as a kid. I had a great family. Okay. And all through high school, like a lot of people in high school, I played, I played sports and, but everyone drank that played sports. I didn't. I was the captain of the football team, never drank, never did anything. I was the guy that didn't do any of that. Went to college. And when I quit playing football, that's when everything went to hell. I quit. First thing I've ever quit in my whole life. When I quit, I went, we had half um, athletes on our dorm and half not. <laughs> and uh, we were on the same dorm floor. The day I quit, I lost everything. I went down the hall, knocked on the door where everybody partied. I said, I'm in. I've never smoked, never drank. So they put a bong gas mask on me. I started with that, uh, smoked my first uh, marijuana through a bong gas mask. And then, uh, <laughs> then I drank for the first time and everybody started drinking. And I was like, I was the guy that if I was going to do something, I was going to be the best at everything I did, including party. So that night I, uh, drank for the first time, smoked for the first time, got in a fight at a frat house, lost my virginity all in the same night. So it was a pretty impactful experience for me. Um, but after I did that, um, I was the event guy. I didn't do it every day, but when I went, I went hard. And then I met my beautiful wife. We've both been married a few times. Um, and for me, and we both had marriages that weren't successful. And for me, I was like, what is wrong with me? Because I would see other people. I knew I had issues with it. And I could understand when people had problems when let's say they're family members, it's hereditary. But for me, I would just go crazy like, God, what is wrong with me? Why am I messed up? Why can't I handle it? So I'd always try to control it. Like, I know I can do this. I don't have any hereditary. There's no alcoholic in our family. I should be able to control this, but I couldn't. And uh, through the bad marriages, I'd met this woman and it was, I didn't believe in love anymore. I was really cynical. I met her. It was love at first sight. She walked into a room, Max, and uh, she stole my heart. First time I met her, um, we talked for hours, and there it is. We 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 fell in love. She moved from Arizona to uh, St. Louis, believe it or not, all the way to Missouri from Arizona. Brought her daughter with her. We combined families, and it wasn't until I met Beverly. Did my business really skyrocket? Um, she believed in me. Um, we became a team. And uh, that's when Elite really started skyrocketing. I mean, I, I did I started it out of my basement 22 years ago, uh, going on year 22. And I was happy. I was making good money. I didn't, but I always had this dream of making it into what it is today. And not until I met this woman, the love of my life, did she encourage me to say, why why are you doing it mike you want to do it i believe in you and uh together we built this company to where it is today and i owe it to her see and that's awesome when you have a significant other that supports you like that right i was in relationships right when i wrote my book or wanted like i started that well it was 12 years ago when i started right and i'd either get a girlfriend that's ah, oh, we can't afford it or 
why would you want to write a book for right <laughs> so i get that right like my wife's the same way like when she knew i was in the process of writing the book she goes like what are you waiting for do it like get it done because i had just lost my sister my brother and my mom was literally dying every day of a broken heart right and so i did and i get that right and but it was funny so my wife's my best friend too and and things have skyrocketed for me be, since i've been married to her right because of the support but it was funny when we met right and and i'll tell you a little bit about it after because this is about you guys when we get off here but um everything i've wanted to do like my coaching biz starting my own coaching you know and and doing whatever i always get a hundred percent and it seems like right when that happens something in us right us guys mike that we just go what have we been waiting on like right why have we waited so long but we needed that push right yeah. so what i kind of want to get into right you just explained like how your business has taken off we got two different pictures right you got bev who came from the entertainment business right where we know that drinking and partying is just part of for the course you come you're an athlete, you go to college, you don't start until you get to college, right? And well, I can't say that because mine started in high school. I was always a good athlete during football and wrestling, right? But after that, it was like, where's the weekend? Where's the kegger parties, right? Like that was start. And I never heeded the, 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 the red flags, which I wish I would have, but that's another story. But like when I met my wife, and you'll understand this when I tell you later, we were talking and she goes, I'm so far off a list. There is no list. So I didn't even like try. We were just talking, right? Getting to know each other. And, and I'm glad that we became friends first. Cause like, she's my PIC too. Like every, we do everything together. Like if I don't, but we can do things on our own too, because we've given each other that space. So being a couple like, and business as we know is not especially being an entrepreneur, right? You've been doing it a long time. Like I know me for the last three, four years, it's been a roller coaster where like, there's times I want to jump off right before it's going down, you know, like let me off. Um, so how do you guys support each other, right? Your recovery, give the audience a little bit like how you've overcome those challenges. Cause even as a awesome couple, right? You guys must have your moments where you guys just like, you go over there. I'm going to go over here, take a time out, and then we'll come back <laughs> later before, you know, like Bev says, Mike, I'm going to kick your butt if you don't get out of my face right now. I've had those moments. So, but right, we, I want the audience to know that, right? Just because everything's good, there isn't challenges that have, even in a great marriage like you guys have, right? That things come up. How do you guys handle that, you know, from each of your perspectives? So, Back when I was in Arizona, I also owned five tattoo parlors. So I was really good with employees. And that was like my strong point, like leadership. And when I first met Mike and he was working in his basement, he's like the greatest salesperson I've ever met. Like I'm from sales also. I was a real estate agent in Arizona. I'm currently a real estate agent here too. And when I saw him, I was like, that is such wasted talent. Let's get you out of the basement. And we didn't know our roles because we didn't really have the full vision of what our business was going to truly be, right? It was like, let's go all in, let's take a chance, and let's just build. And that's what we did. And we brought on another sales rep, and those two were doing it together. 
And I was kind of dabbling in my own thing. I, ha- I was doing life insurance. I was doing uh, real estate. I'm, I'm a multitasker. I get bored. <laughs> with this, so I'm a multitasker, right? And so once I started seeing like, okay, I think that the business could use some of my talent also. I said, hey, let's do this. And we just, from there, we just started blowing up. And we realized like early on, like what his strengths are and what mine are. And it's funny because both of us are entrepreneurs. And if you are an entrepreneur and you're with an entrepreneur, it can get crazy. Like realistically, I mean, you'll he'll be like off on one thing, I'm off on another thing. And we're just like spinning around like a tornado. And then we have to go, okay, hold on a second. Okay, let's get some grounding. And that's where we had to hire people that could take us and and run with the stuff we're not good at because neither one of us are good at paperwork. We're not good at that kind of stuff. That's not where our talents are. And if we have to do that, that is where you'll see us like kind of go, whoa, this right here is not working. But that's where we realize like that's where we need our help. Okay. And so Mike is outstanding with sales. Like he oversees all of our sales reps and he's so good at it to where he's not good with the employee part. He doesn't want to have to reprimand or, you know, get on people or anything like that. I'm, I am good at that. I'm not afraid to do that. Right. Leadership is where my strong point is, where Mike is like, Oh, I just want to build. I want to do the sales part. And so when we combined and we started growing our business, he goes, I don't want anything to do with the employees. And that's not where our vision was supposed to go. We were, Mike's vision was sales reps. He just wanted to build sales reps. Well, unfortunately, our business, God had a different plan. He said, nope, you're going to have all these employees first, and then you're going to start adding on the sales reps. And it's it, it does get challenging. Last year, we had a huge project, and we had about 70 employees on our books and about 300 temps at the same time. Wow. That's a lot of people to maintain. And when you have that many temps coming in, you know nothing about them. Like You don't know where they came from. You don't know their bad habits. You don't know if there's addictions and which there were. And our, our team, our management, we've trained them to look for certain key things and to help out with those areas. And so we were putting fires out left and right. Now we're at a point right now where it's pretty calm. You know, we probably have about 50 employees, maybe like 50 temps going on right now, but we have big jobs that are coming up again. And so that's where we take our, our talent and Mike just stays in the office and builds. He's constantly building on the cells. And I'll let you take over a part of that. Well, I just want to share one of our challenges. Um, you ask about that. So for me, being the founder, right? It was my baby, my vision at the beginning. And when Bev came in, um, she's got a extreme talent with our warehouse and organizing. Okay. And so as we grew, we were in our like fifth building now. And we have about 150,000 square feet. And we have to organize it, we have a lot of moving parts. We build out custom builds and um, we'll, we'll butt heads occasionally. We'll come together and then I remember that's not my forte. Let her do it. So really when we would butt heads is when I would try to cross my boundary and get into stuff that she was good at. And I started realizing, what am I doing? Let her do what she's good at. Quit trying to, just because you started, it doesn't mean that you have to control it, right? So right. I released it to her once i did that we were great you know but when i tried to hold on no wait a minute i want to have a little more control of this and then once i realized let the stuff go that you're not good at mike 
Let Bev do what she's good at. Stay in your role. We we mess. And we kind of have a rule that at work, you know, there's times, you know, you get crazy when you have that many people and it's stress. There might be some tension, but we don't fight in front of our employees. We don't we bring right. we don't bring arguments. We don't bring anything. Sometimes we're at our business and we don't even see each other. You know, we're both working, we don't see each other, but um overall it's been a great experience i mean i'm blessed to have met her and she's she's really changed my life for the better i mean she really did you know one thing though i would love to tell you this so when we met we were drinkers right we both right. still drink and uh we we love to go out to dinner and have our wine and um we that was part of our romance and you know and it was we love those nice dinners we'll still go to a nice dinner but no wine now but right one, when she when bev came to me you would never know bev was never out of control like me when i would go hard i was the life of the party bev, <laughs> right. she was drinking and but really she drank every single day a glass and a half i didn't even pay attention to it but until it started impacting her health so bad that like one glass of wine it got to the point where she'd wake up and i'd have to nurse her back to health and then the next day she'd be like well maybe if i i heard that sulfites if i use this canter and i i try to diffuse it and, right. and water uh, it oh maybe that rationalization this if we oh. do this it'll be better right oh yeah oh there's stir sticks they make i mean from organic wine you name it i did it all she bought fit wine because she thought Hey, it's called fit wine. It's got to be good. For you. <laughs> and, uh, but she came to me one day and I'm, I was the one that when I went, you know, I was dangerous. I've had DWIs, two of them, one I got out of, but I should have had probably 15 of them. Uh, right. to be honest. And, oh, yeah. you know, and I was the guy that we, we go to, we go to Palm Springs every year for the last like 35 years and playing a golf tournament. Beverly would come with me. I was the guy that got the thing started. I would start the party off. We'd play golf in the morning. We'd go to the pool. It was a drink fest. Every year they expected Sloan Dog to do the belly flop to start the the start. The <laughs> I mean that that was who I was, man. I mean I was their entertainment, and um, I was the kind of the fool, the class clown, right? And when Beverly came to me, she said, "I I really need your help. Will you help me with this?" And I was like, "What do you need?" She goes, I'm going to try to stop drinking. We had an all-inclusive to Jamaica already planned where I was taking everybody, all of our kids, family, my sister, my brother-in-law. We already had it booked, you know, with free free booze, right? Right. I said, you're going to do it. I'll do it with you. Now, I was doing it to be the good guy. I'm going to be the husband. I'm going to help you. The whole time, Max, she saved me. I'm helping her and I could never, I tried to quit so many times for me. I could never do it for me. I didn't right. love myself, I guess, to do it for me. But when she asked me to do it, that was it. And then I realized it was the greatest gift she ever gave me. The greatest gift she ever gave. Absolutely. Because if you think about it, right, like life, recovery, whatever, it kind of mirrors business, right? If you don't take care of the things that are important, and and like you said, right, if if Mike doesn't do the sales, right, and let Beverly do the employees and take care of that, it's just going to be one big mess, right? That's like my recovery. If I try to do it alone, 
I always screw it up, right? Like my first relapse, I went to the homeboy's house thinking, I'm super sober. I'm going to get them all sober, right? That was my sponsor laughed at me. He goes, No, you wanted to get high. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. But if you think about it, like, and, and being a couple, we're, my wife and I are the same way. There are certain things she's, and she'll look at me and she says, we're going to do it like this. And I just go, okay, honey. And then I do whatever she wants. Right. Cause she, when she has her way, like it always works. Right. But she knows if there's, I'm on a mission and there's something I want to do that I know how I'm going to do it. Then she'll be like, okay, honey, I'm just going to, you tell me what to do. Right. And those are the best teams I think. Right. Like, in a perfect world, we would think like we wish our businesses ran like that. We would never have to fire anybody, right? Because everybody would you go. Um, so like in your life, right? Business can be stressful, right? Especially being entrepreneurs and doing it as long and having families, right? And you're like me, you have the blended family, right? Where and I'll <laughs> that could be like a whole different podcast, but how have you guys manage to keep things together when you see things in your family and maybe sometimes in the business going south and you're just going like, what do I do? Well, so my, the, the father of my children is not really involved in their life and they do that by choice because he is an addict. And so when they were younger, they already pulled away from him. So they didn't have that father figure to fill in that void. And when I moved here with my youngest daughter, because my other two were older, they're 10 years from my youngest, she was in seventh grade. And so she was at a very vulnerable part of her life. And I was a single mom. And like I said, her dad was not in her life. And so when I moved here, we did actually long distance for a whole year. So Mike would fly up to Arizona once a month. I would fly to Missouri twice a month. And so every time he would come down that once a month, he would get to know my youngest daughter, which her name's Addie. And so he started building a relationship with her. And then he started building a relationship with my oldest daughter also. And when we moved here, it wasn't like they were strangers. It was, he had filled in that dad uh, bond so quickly oh. because he's such an awesome person. And my children, they look at him like, this is their father. Right. He can say, when I get married, he's going to walk me down the aisle. They go to him. For advice. They don't come to me. They go to him first because <laughs> he's, he right. gives love. He gives that to them. I'm more of the hard, strict, like suck it up. What are you doing? Why did you do that? You know, what's going <laughs> to happen if you do that to where he is more of a come here, give me a hug. And so they, they look at him like he is their father. And one of the greatest things that I've always prayed about is my son, because my son was older and he had a very negative outlook on Mel's due to the fact of his father and because of my previous husband, they had fought back and forth. And so my son really, my picker was broken back then. And so right. he didn't get close to, to Mike that well at all. And when he just moved down here, they are building a bond that is so strong. It is, it is so touching to see because my son needed that. He needed that male, positive, healthy figure in his life that wasn't going to leave him or betray him or let him down, that was sober, healthy, fit, and that would love him unconditionally because he didn't have that. And just right. like females need that, males need that too. And if they don't have that growing up, 
they grow up and they use vices to medicate themselves, right? Just like females do. <laughs> and so Mike has been such a strong uh, male figure in our family with that. So my kids gravitated to him just quickly because they wanted healthy. They needed somebody that had structure and there was no dysfunction. He was no dysfunction family. The movie Shameless, that was my family. And so my <laughs> I love it. Yeah. watch Shameless and he'd be like, oh my gosh, do you see what's going on? I'm like, I'm having post-traumatic stress right now. I, heard, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I know what's going to happen. Like I right. already know what's taking place. And then when at the end of Shameless, when they had such horrible stuff, that's when my family had, there was a car accident, there was death. There was just such traumatic things. I said, I can't, I can't watch that anymore. I can't do that to myself. I'd already been living through that trauma. And right. I said, I got to go back no more, you know, because my family was the shameless and dysfunction and his wasn't. And so he was just like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. But our children, it's funny because we have two daughters that work for us. Those are my, my biologically. And then his son works for us. He's one of our sales reps. And then my sister works for us. So it's not just a husband and wife owned company that we work together as a team we on truly a daily. Have family. We it's a family owned business and everybody knows their place. They know who the owners are. They know who the bosses are. They don't step on toes. They just do your job, right? Right. And so and and we we just we try to teach our kids and lead our kids like think for yourself, be entrepreneurs, you know, like be healthy and take, you know, partake in healthy stuff. Go to the gym, eat good foods, like stop doing, abstain from alcohol, do those things. But it's been such a good growth thing for us because a lot of people, first of all, they can't even work together. People tell us all the time, how do you even work with your spouse? I barely want to be around them. Like <laughs> I, I look forward to when my spouse goes out of town. I'm like, when I'm out of town, he's falling apart. And when I'm out of town, I'm falling apart. And some people would say, that's so codependent. But I, I argue with that because codependency is totally different, right? right. I can function on my own. He can function on his own. But right. because we later in life, we're trying to absorb every minute and second that we possibly can right. because we have such a strong and great love and relationship that we don't want to miss out on anything, right? And so for us, when we're, like you said, when we're at work, our offices are right next to each other we could cross each other's path. And when we get home, we're like, I missed you today. And everybody's like, <laughs> right. Sick. and we're like, no, you don't understand. Like when you're building an empire, a financial empire. Okay. And then you're building a physical empire and a health empire. And you're trying to lead like different generations. You, and you have the perfect teammate. Like you said, you have a perfect teammate. It's solid. It's yeah. strong. Like there's energy. It's powerful, you know? And so, and then with us launching our second business, it's even going to get stronger because we're going to be able to help more people that aren't underneath elite's roof. Because right now we help those under elite's roof. Now yeah. we'll be able to help the masses and share with them sobriety and relationship and mindset and all those things that people are lacking that they need in life to, to, to go through life. Because it's sad to say, but our world has fallen. I mean, everybody's medicating themselves with whatever drug it is or addiction from food to gambling, to sex, to porn, to alcohol, to drugs, you name it. I mean, and it's just, it's sad to see that people are turning to all these vices 
to medicate themselves when it yeah. comes down to sobriety. Let's live life on life's terms. Let's feel our emotions, right? Let's work through those things. And let's, yes, we all have childhood traumas, but let's not let that childhood trauma medicate us to where it takes our life or somebody else's life or it damages the whole entire family. The pink Absolutely. elephant is in the house, right? right. I mean, it comes down to that pink elephant. Nobody wants to acknowledge that it's there, but that damn thing's there, period. Right. And so I think that, you know, for us, when we combined our household, it was, it just was like igniting more power because at that point, now our children can go out and touch the lives of other people too, right? Because yep. we don't have a child together at all. We talked about it. We, we lost our mind for a minute, we'll say. And we, no, we did too. Real quick minute. <laughs> You did too, Fred? Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm 55. I said no. no. Uh, <laughs> you done no. lost your mind. I'll yeah, do, I'll like, I like the grandkids part, right? Like, I'll baby them, and then, hey, it's time to go to mom. Here you go. Yes. Well, I'm selfish. I like my sleep. I like to, you know, I, I like to <laughs> exactly. I want to. I'm like, that was, I don't even know what we were thinking, but we were going to pull the trigger, but no. Uh, Max, let me tell you, she talks about shameless, right? She says, oh, our, our family. So, if you'd seen my mom and dad growing up, it was kind of like leave it to beaver. I mean, my mom is is like Martha Stewart, and it's just she's she's my best friend. We call, we talk every morning. But um, here's what I'll tell you: her family, I can be myself. Um, I grew up in a, an environment where we had to be perfect, right? And right. like nobody knew your business, and you like you if you when you have everyone has problems. No one's perfect, right? right. But our tried to portray that always perfect, always perfect. And what would the neighbors think? That's how I grew up. What would the neighbors think, Mike? What would the neighbors think? So when I got sober, I'll share this, that they, <laughs> they would come to me and you'd think they were like, oh, that's great. Well, it was like, do you really think you had that much of a drinking problem? And I'd be like, do you remember the last time I drank and you were there and the police, the ambulance, I fell down a flight of stairs, head first through a wall, they had to pull me out. <laughs> I was hanging halfway through. My head just went through the through the wall and just missed the tube. I'd be dead. And right. uh, my mom is crying. It was embarrassing. We were at a Halloween party at my sister's house. And because I share my story, now people know I had a problem. You know, they just think, oh, that was just Mike having a good time. Right. No, I had a problem. And it's still hard for them to let me admit that I have a problem, you know, because right. we were the perfect family, you know. And what I learned from Beverly's, because of the the hardships that she went through as a child and through the things that she went through as a, a young mother and being around an addict and bad marriages and really bad situations, um, how strong she is. When you get through that, you become so strong, so unstoppable. And that's where I draw my strength from is her. I mean, because she's been through 10 times more stuff than me. So, I mean, nobody wants to go through hard stuff. But when you do, when you come out the other side, you become like her. She's strong. I mean, she's a rock. And, um, you know, don't be ashamed if you grew up and shameless, right? <laughs> I mean, because you, if you come out of that, it teaches you so much. And, that's, that's tough. I mean, see, and that's what why you guys complement each other so much, right? Like me and my wife are opposite, but she's been through a lot 
And I like what you said earlier, Bev, because I think they don't teach our kids what you just said about entrepreneurship, getting healthy, right? Like I was watching clips on YouTube, you know, that Charlie Kirk that goes to the colleges and he, and these kids were, I'm just like, wow, this is our country. This is what our country's coming to. Like I'm on Charlie Kirk's side and I want to go slap these kids and go like, what the, excuse my language, but what the F is wrong with you? Like we're teaching, you know what I mean? And this is why we need parents like you guys to teach our kids how to be entrepreneurs, how to stand on their own two feet, what's right and wrong. And, you know, all this stuff that they're leaving out of schools, right? Which, as you guys know, if you're following politics and all the stuff that's going on in the world, it's just, I know you guys are probably just going, oh my God, I can't believe this stuff. Like I live here in California, right? And Newsom's destroying my beautiful state. Like I want to go to his you know, house and, and go like, what are you doing? Right. But we know what he's doing. Right. He's a greedy dude and he wants it's all about money. And but anyway, so like these lessons we learn right in life, being sober, you know, working on a business are better than anything that they can teach in a class. If you think about it. Right. Like on the job training. Right. You learn everything. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I when I wanted to quit that school, when I went, I went to a small uh, Maryville, Missouri a uh, small school. And then I, once I quit, I went back, then I went to Mizzou, bigger school. And um, when I was there, I struggled so bad. I, in high school, I, I got all my teachers to give me grades. They all knew me, right? I wouldn't even turn in papers that give me A's. I was on the honor <laughs> roll. I didn't even know how to study. I go to college and I'm like, oh my God, I would be at, you know, looking at my, my roommates would get A's and I'd be studying all night. Didn't, I had no clue how to study and have a highlighter, uh, you know, and I didn't make it. I went through my senior year, almost did. I was on probation, off probation. And, you know, those things haunt me still. They eat at me. But right. even, even today when, you know, as successful as our business has become and what we've, what we've accomplished, there's still times where that voice comes in. You didn't graduate. You're not good enough. I, you know, you're, I go back to that place and I have to really, that's where this personal development that you're talking about, Max, that we work on it every single day because like you said, the pressures and the things, because you can let your mind, if your mind slips a little bit, if it, it, the other guy can come back, the drinker can come back, you know, Absolutely. And, you, you know, you asked about hard times and, you know, just because you're getting bigger and bigger buildings and more people, your problems get, can become overwhelming. And we, Absolutely. we, a few years, we grew, doubled our business, doubled it and um, came double the problems. <laughs> and there was a moment where I was just so under stress and, you know, we, we've been sober now over five years. And I, I told Beverly something about drinking. I don't know if you remember it. I know what you said. Uh, I tell him what I said, because she went down, on, go ahead you tell it so we're sitting there and i knew that he was under massive stress financial stress right and he said whatever you do don't let me drink <laughs> now i was the one that always thought about alcohol okay everywhere i went i'm turning my head if i'm in the grocery store it was always on my mind and when i heard those words it gave me this feeling inside and i was like oh my gosh now we had alcohol in our house but it was in our unfinished side. I hated it here. It would haunt me. It would like 
talk, talk to me, like, you know, just uh-huh. like an addict. Like I would say, what if I lost my mind and I went downstairs and I took a drink? Okay. Those are the thoughts that would come through my mind occasionally because I knew it was in my house, but I didn't right. want it in my house. Okay. I wanted to be the 100% sober house. We had that alcohol in our house for guests for, for you know, four, they had, we had it for four years of our sobriety. And when he said those words to me, I said, okay, I won't. And I snuck downstairs and I started pulling out all the alcohol. And I have a picture, well, I posted it in Apex, of a picture of all these jugs of alcohol that we had. (laughs) And I just started slowly dumping them down the drain. And he's like, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'll be up in a second. I'm just cleaning some things up. And I just started dumping them. And this is thousands and thousands of dollars. Like, (laughs) that would have been like, oh my gosh. And so... I took, I said, okay, hey, you're super stressed out. Why don't you go to bed? He went to bed, gave him a kiss. And I already had in my head, I am going to get all of this alcohol. Bottles that were never even opened, wine that had never been touched. I didn't care how much it cost. I, it, was, it was going because I was not about to let the devil plant a seed in my husband's head over a financial issue that had to do with our business. There was no way we come too far with all the challenges that we've been through, life and death issues. Was I going to let this happen in my under my roof? No way. So he went to sleep. I'm down there dumping bottles out. And I'm thinking, I put his headset on. I'm like, here, put these on. Listen to some mod- some uh, meditations. <laughs> right. This is nice. going to get me sounding right. I'm right. And- Where I was doing it was right underneath our basement. And so I'm clinging bottles, but I knew he had his headset on. So as I'm doing that, I'm trying to do it as quickly as possible. I'll let him take over from there. So I woke up and I go, I had this crazy dream. And she's like, what? And like, I just like, I had a dream of like alcohol, like, like a river going away, like just alcohol, alcohol. And like, it was just weird. I don't ever think about a dream about alcohol, but I was like being dumped or what she goes. That's because I took all the alcohol that we had for gas and dumped it out. And that's a connection. I mean, I had headphones on. I didn't know she was doing it. And I dreamed that. And I was just like, what? And she's like, are you mad at me? And I'm like, because it, I mean, we're talking like expensive bottles of what, you know, expensive right. stuff. I said, not at all. Thank you. And, and, you know, now when guests come over, if you want to have wine, you better bring it to our house or you want something because. We have water. We have uh, healthy drinks. That's it. No and coffee. And that's coffee. That's it. Nothing right. else. For it. And um, that's it. That's the way it rolls at our house. We have a bar. I don't know if you saw. We did a video. We got a bar downstairs. And we did it up a nice bar, but there's no alcohol in our bar. So I was doing push-ups on our bar. That's what I do on our bar. So <laughs> I love it. With that story, it was so bizarre because I kept looking. I'm like, oh my gosh, if he wakes up, he is going to be really upset with me. That Because I brought up the conversation numerous times about wanting this alcohol out of the house. He'd be like, no, we need it for people to come over. And so I, when he said that to me the next day, I was scared to tell him. First of all, I didn't tell him. <laughs> I made a post in Apex what I did to get it off my chest because I felt like I needed to tell somebody. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm just going to confess right now to a group, Okay. And then the next day, it was like towards the evening, he goes, I had the craziest dream last night. And I said, what? He goes, that you were dumping alcohol. I go, ooh. I'm like, did you like 
come downstairs or something? And he's like, no, what do you, what did you do? I go, well, I dumped it out. <laughs> and he's like, you're joking, right? And so it was so bizarre that he, that our connection was so strong. And at the time, Mike was coaching with a person that has like 40 something years of, of sobriety. And he's a big coach. And he told Mike, you know, that is like some serious connection that you and Beverly have for you to not even know you're sleeping and she's down there dumping and you're dreaming this. That's a very big connection that you have. And, and we know that. So like everything we do, we're like, our, our, we're very intertwined. And I want to, I want to go back to, you know, the kids in college. So we have a lot of the younger generation that comes to work for us. Okay. Right. And I don't coddle. I don't candy coat and I've trained our leadership. They all came in. Most of them came out of either high school or college at the beginning. And so they knew how I was and we would just go straight through them. I'm like, you're not a good fit here. I, I'll eat you alive. You need to go somewhere else because your parents have coddled you and this is not the place for you. And so our employees, our management's like that now. And they'll say, they'll come to me and say, this person's not a good fit. They act entitled. And I'm like, dang i'm like yes you know they're they're in their 20s and i'm like yes they're picking up the words and they know what they're doing and and so they don't yeah. tolerate it either but it's been we went through hundreds okay of people coming through our door but i stop it because it's our culture that we're creating in there and i don't right. allow that to take hold because these companies that are allowing that to take hold these kids come in and they've just came from college and they've been taught all this crap in their heads and they come in and they act entitled and they'll come into these businesses and these businesses are like, oh, well, we're going to get in trouble if we don't coddle them. HR. Yeah. Right. So, right. HR, I am HR and you got to come through me and it's not happening. <laughs> right. And so. That, HR is hell raising up oh, right here. So. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it is. You know, and I'm, I'm straightforward and I tell people exactly how it is. Like I bring my mobs. I'm like, this is what you're doing wrong. And they just look at me like. Oh my gosh, nobody's ever told me that. I'm like, well, I'm telling you right now, like you need to fix that because if it doesn't work out here, you're going to go somewhere else and they're going to eat you alive. So I'm going to try to educate you here before you get out in that real world, right? And, and, and suffer even more. So, I mean, we, there's so many great things that him and I have done within the building of elite and outside with our friends and stuff. And it's funny because with our sobriety, when we got sober, Nobody really like, nobody was against me getting sober, but I was the one that was the quiet one. Nobody thought I had a problem, but I right. was sick. I was suffering. And I also was going through breast implant illness at the time. And that was totally deteriorating my health. Yeah, and Mike yeah. was so kind and loving that he stood by my side the whole entire time and helped me get through that and, you know, build my own self-esteem through not having breast anymore, considering the fact that that's how I made my money realistically, right? Right. You know, I had to remove them. And that was part of my identity, I would say. And so was the alcohol part of my identity. And they always say, like, if you're an addict, you better get rid of everything around you, right, that is going to contribute to that or those bad habits or those character defects that are going to contribute to you relapsing. And I felt like when I got the breast implant illness and I removed those, it was kind of like the door shutting of that was my past, right? And and now it's time to move on and, and to step into a healthy, a healthy person. And my like just supported me along the, the whole path and everything that we did together. And it was that was hard. Like we have been through 
so much in our almost 14 years together than a lot of people have. And it's mainly been me, my side, my family, myself that we've been through. Do you agree with that? I'm on the ride with you though. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> that is, he, he is on the ride with me and he's so like loving and supportive and kind. You have to have that right. in anything that you're doing. And you know, there's, there's things that with our business, we'll sit down and say, okay, let's make a decision. And we do it outside away from our employees. Let's make a decision. How are we going to tackle this? What are we going to do as a team? Where do we see ourselves? Because ultimately it's our company, right? right. And we're the owners of it, but we're also a couple. And what do we want? Where's our goal, our end goal? Because when you own a company and you are a married couple and you're both working in it, you got to think like, okay, is there going to be a retirement one day? Are we going to sell one day? Are we going to step away one day? What are we going to do? Because it, I mean, it's us doing it. And so, you know, we've struggled with those issues too this year, talking about, you know, acquisitions, stuff like that. What are we going to do? Right. And those are some big decisions. And we decided to step back for a minute, to step back, take a pause and let's get reorganized. Let's bring some more processes in. Let's maybe bring some other key people in to where we can start pulling back. And we've trained some of our team to start stepping up a little bit more. And that's hard. That's difficult to do. You know, being a business owner, it's very difficult to start trusting people to take over responsibilities that you did and do well, it the right way. Especially when it's your baby and you've seen it from the ground, in your case, the basement up, right? <laughs> like. Yeah. It, right. Because you guys realize, Max, I'm unemployable. Yeah, that's what I keep telling myself. But I keep getting, <laughs> yeah, I feel like the godfather, right? These places I get sucked. They suck me back in. But it's because I love helping people get clean and sober, right? And trying to show them that no matter what you go through, you don't have to pick up a drink or a drug, right? Because I'll tell you, right? And and talking about your challenges and throwing out the alcohol. So seven years ago, when I lost my sister that I told you guys about, right, three, three days after I turned 13, eight months later, my brother would commit suicide and lose his battle to addiction. I remember I was in the middle of, I was in Denver, Colorado, in a Denny's, right? And I got the call from my brother. And I'll never forget, because he was like, oh, our brother's gone. Like, that just wasn't, and I go, what do you, cause if you knew my little brother, he's the kind of guy that would pack his family up. We're going camping spur of the moment right like work's taken care of right let's go or he'd get on his harley and go for a ride for a few hours just he was a free spirit right just did whatever he wanted and i'm like okay cool where did he go and he's like no our brother's gone he hung himself and i'll never forget when i heard that hung himself i just i lost it in the middle of that denny's right and in that process it was i don't know why but my phone's getting blown up for my recovery, you know, uh, support people. And I even had people going, you got every reason to get loaded. And I'm like, wait, what? Like in the middle of this grieving, I'm like, no, I don't. Right. Like I got to help my family get through this. I got to help my mom, you know, and I got to help my brothers and sisters and, you know, and then, yeah, it's like, I take that kind of, like you guys do into my business, right? And 
mine's little, right? It's just starting. So I understand that, like, I don't want to give it away to people just yet, but I also know there's processes that I need to hire people for so I can concentrate on what I do best. And, um, but being so, I wouldn't do it any other way. Cause see, I'm the opposite. I'm not a weekend warrior. I'm an everyday warrior. And if I drink, I go back to my drug of choice, which is meth. And then I use the needle again. I was an intravenous drug user and for, you know, it, that became so more important than my children that I, I abandoned my children for nine years, right? And I could literally be in the house next door, but be so guilt-ridden and shameful that I'd either wait till at night, right, and go scurry off or wait till they went to school the next morning. It was just a bad time in my life. It was a nine-year period, right? And But now I've been back 20 years, right? So, like, I've learned some of the things you're talking about. I've had to learn along the way, too, right? Like, I, I've had to learn to tell my kids that no is a complete sentence. And it took a while, right, for me, because they were good at manipulating or making me feel guilty. And then I'd go, okay, whatever you want, right? And then my wife comes along and goes, what are you doing? No, that's not how you do it, right? So now they know, right? Sometimes they don't even ask because they know I'm just going to go, uh, let, me let me think about that real quick. No. And then they go, whatever, dad. But I think it's helping them become better people that, I stand up and hold healthy boundaries so that they can do that with the people around them, right? Because you guys have to do that as, as your owners of your company, whether it's your daughters or your other employees, right? They got to see that mom and dad are a team. And that's what I love about me and my wife now is that nobody, they won't even try it because they know like we're such a team that they won't even try it. You know what I mean? And I'm the same as you guys. I don't like doing anything without her. And she doesn't leave uh, doing anything without me, now, even though I can. And, and we do stand on our own two feet. But see, but she's opposite. She's worked at the high school for almost 19 years. So she's that nine to five loves, right? She's got a good retirement coming. And I'm like, and she kind of looks at me like, well, you waited till you were 50 something to do this entrepreneurship. Why didn't you do this way back when? Right. But I go, look, I promise you, I'm going to, and I, I plan on keeping some promises that I made to her, right? Like she can retire at 20 years, right? Be a grandma, do whatever she wants to do. And we're going to be able to travel in our little RV, right? Because one of the things she wants to do is move out of state, right? And her son and our daughter-in-law, who's in the Air Force, is like I said, stationed about an hour away from you guys. And when we were driving through uh, Missouri, we're like, I could do this, right? There's a lot more green than there is where I live in California, right? So my point is, is I loved hearing how, right? There is no codependency from what I hear between you guys. It's teamwork. It's being a couple that knows how to work with each other, right? Feed off each other in a good way and then bounce things off each other. Right. Because I'm sure you've met a couple. I've met couples. If you say something wrong, the other one's like, I'm leaving. I'm going home then. I don't want to be around you. Right. And I think one of the big reasons I asked you to be guests is so that you could show the audience what a power couple looks like. Right. Cause you do it for your kids. Right. Even though they're adult children, you do it for each other and you're doing it for the people that are coming into your business that are out of college or maybe in high school still like, you're giving them people to go, that's what I want to be like, right? And I tell you, I want to be like you guys because you guys are just like, I could listen to you guys all night. You guys are inspiring me. Um, but there's a couple of questions I like to ask right now. These are 
I wrote a book called Fearless Happiness, same as my podcast. So you can answer it together or separately. But what does fearless mean to you? And how does that show up in your life today? Go ahead, Ben. I'm going to let you go first on this. Well, for me, Max, um, through my journey, I've learned that my ups and downs and the waves, when I face fear, that and I go through it, I become a better man. And we all have our fears, all of us do. And I face them every day, you know? And the more I do it, the more fearless I become. So when I step into it and get through the other side, I become better. So I don't know if I'll ever be totally fearless, but fear now, is where I know my strength is on the other side when I go through it. So now I don't necessarily look at the obstacles the same way because I've been through so many of them now, through the business and through so many things that would I say I'm fearless? No, but now I know to walk through the fear. Now I know to get through the other side because I know it's gonna make me stronger. And that's, I've seen it through her and how strong she is because everything she's been through and battled. And so that's where your strength comes from. And so that's for me. I think that with fear, it's false evidence appearing real, right? And if you, <laughs> I have, love it. you can't have faith. She's good. And right. so for me, being fearless is I remove all emotion and I run towards it. Anything that's coming at me. And I tackle it. I try to find a solution quickly because I don't want that fear to absorb me and to get into my head and plant seeds of negativity or anxiety or what ifs or all those things. And so being fearless to me is living in faith and just facing that fear straight on instead of ignoring it or being afraid of it. Because when you're living in that fear, it's not a good place to be. It holds you back. It holds you back from being the greatest version of yourself. It holds you back from taking chances of doing great things and creating a business or taking that chance with love like we did. We met out of state. I lived in Arizona. He was here. We met in Dallas. And so if I would have lived with fear, I never would have moved here. Right. So that's where that comes in with me. And that's how I look at it. Right. No, no, and that's cool because what I heard is we won't be fearless, but we'll fear less, Yes, which is what happens when we keep doing the work. That's why I believe, like you said, Mike, and, and personal development is so important, right? It's like our recovery. If I don't continue working on my recovery, like for me and applying those principles I learned in doing the 12 steps, I'll let that fear get the best of me. And as you know, right, like fear comes out as anger. And then if I get into anger, then it's the efforts. And when I'm in the efforts, there is no one on this God's green earth going to keep me from doing what I'm going to do. And I've learned that, right? So I keep the faith. Um, I lean into the suck, right? And I keep putting one foot in front of the other. Like, And I know I've been through it, right? Because after I lost three family members, right? I lost a granddaughter three years ago and almost my son that I've told you guys about. And it was you know, that's when you that's when you do get your higher power and you have those conversations and, you know, we can cuss on here, but I have those like he was a home like, OK, God, you're freaking 
I'll say it. Your fucking sense of humor sucks right now. I don't know what you're trying to teach me, but you need to chill, bro. Like, give me a break, right? And he's just going up there going, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. There's a plan I got for you. There's a plan. And that plan has led me to sit here with you guys and discuss your life, how you've overcome your challenges, right? And learn to be fearless. I love Max, it. Max, right, right before this podcast, um, we were going to the gym for the second time and today and i've been in this really good state ever since i turned down a lot of money for a business and we made a decision to keep going um i've been in a really good flow man just you know that state where you're in that perfect flow state mm -hmm. things are going and then today bam something hit me and it rocked me a little bit right right before this and so we said let's go to the gym for the second time, not because I want to get in shape, because I've learned that when I go there, it's my it's my mind. I am doing something. I didn't want to go there. I was pissed off. I wanted to be in a good spot for this, but I was having anxiety. I was going through some stuff. Right. And I got I worked so hard that I I got it out of me. I worked the pain for me. When I when I give myself physical pain to the point it breaks my mind, it starts to release it, and I got out of it. And uh, I'm glad I did, so we could have this moment, you know. But right. still, still to this day, and there's one thing I want to talk about with recovery that I'm learning from both you and my wife. Okay, you guys have been in a lot more meetings than me. Okay, and a little over a year ago, I lost my best friend to alcoholism. And we work uh, at a company that I modeled my company that I we were we were really tight, like my best buddy. Okay, and we played sports together. We are very similar creatures. He was like he worked out. We did things together, and we partied back then together. Okay, right. He went back from Missouri, moved to Wisconsin. I don't know if you spent any time in Wisconsin, but um, there's a bar. There's more bars where he lived. He was in from Madison and madison wisconsin they have they brag about having the most bars on every step i mean right. and when he went there that's what that's just their life i mean on sunday we'd go play golf and on a sunday and he'd be like hey we're going to a place called smut and eggs for breakfast i go smut and eggs he goes yeah we, we have bloody mary's that it's open 24 hours there's a plant next door and they play porno on the tv i go on a sunday they drink they drink bloody mary's and play porno it's called smut and eggs can you imagine that oh so, my god my buddy he was a great guy beverly got to know him before he got really bad but he started deteriorating in front of my eyes and uh i saw the work and i've been to meetings with beverly and she's been a lot into al-anon and so it's taught her a lot of the fear you know false evidence appearing real and all these all right. things that learned through meetings and i i did everything to try to save him um he was i loved him right. and i would be like I, I wouldn't pull punches with him but i would talk to him about meetings and uh he was like man he goes those people aren't for me man he goes you know they all sit around talk. i go you mean people that are trying to get sober to trying to save their life those people the people that you're you're saying they're they're worse than you i mean and uh he died he Laid on the floor one day and uh, I got a call. I was going with my son to Las Vegas on a business trip. I landed 
my phone rang and it was his girlfriend and I knew what happened and uh, he died of drank drank himself to death. Yeah. I'm sorry. I knew <laughs> when Don't be sorry, I, Mike. I started watching him evolve with his alcoholism and I kept telling Mike, I'm like, and this this was one of Mike's he was my one of my favorite friends of Mike's. I loved this guy, but I could see the progression of the disease. And I was happening, rap happening rapidly. And I told Mike, I said, he's really bad now. And he's not open. I tried to communicate with him. I said, come here, come stay at our house. Let me try to rehab you. We'll put you in a rehab. You come back here. We'll get you healthy. We'll go to the gym. We'll do all these great things to help you to replace what you're doing now. And no, nope, no, nope, I don't got a problem. And I was like, okay. I said, Mike, I love you and you need to do this. I said, you need to tell him anything you can so you have no regrets because I'm sorry, but I think your friend is going to be that percentage that's not going to make it. Right. And exactly what happened. And he did. And he shared it with him. And it was so heartbreaking, but he shared it with him a couple of times, the truth of, of everything instead of candy coating it with him. And when Mike called me, he said, he's dead. And I said, and how do you feel? He said, I'm okay. And it's because he was able to share with him everything him. that he wanted to say and not hold anything back. Like, you're going to die. Like, this is going to take you down. What are you doing? And it took him. And, you know, that's a sad part of, of, you know, being a recovering addict and alcoholic. It's sad because you want to save everybody, you know, but you can't. Right. And you guys. Will. You know, it's like when you tell me that, Mike, I had a best friend that was a year. We shared the same sobriety date, right? Uh -huh. It was a year behind me. So when I would have five, he'd have four, right? And he made it to eight. And then I didn't hear from him for a while, right? And we used to talk all the time. He was six foot six, this computer genius, electrical genius, played the guitar, just an awesome dude, right? And then I knew it. And then... He asked me to sponsor him. And when you're that close, you know, he didn't do anything I said. He, he would relapse and he would. And I can't tell you the heartbreak when I found out like he was 90 days sober when he passed. But it all the damage he did in the short time from those relapses that brought back a lot of stuff that just attacked his body like you. It was just like it didn't have to happen. Right. And uh, I can't tell you with all our fingers and toes how many people I've lost working in addiction and in recovery, right? It's just a sad fact that sometimes we can lead that horse to water, but they're not going to drink. And no matter if we plea, but you did the right thing. All you can do is tell them how you feel, tell them you love them, and then yeah. hopefully maybe, right? And that's tough to watch your best friend go downhill like that. You feel like a failure because, you know, you're thinking, wow, I, I can't help him. He's somebody I love. And I, you know, and you're like, but um, really for me, it was that mirror image, how we were so similar. And I took a different path and he didn't. Right. And I, I met Bev and we went down the sobriety road, our health road, and I lost almost 80 pounds. I totally changed my health around and he went the opposite direction. We met, he came to visit us before he died, uh, maybe a few years before he died. And he had a hip, he was Mr. Madison, okay? He was a bodybuilder at one time. 
I, I came and he had a belly, he couldn't walk, and he looked like he was like 10 years, 20 years older. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, that's not my buddy, you know? And right. it, it and it's so weird. We were just like mirrored image. And if you get to that crossroads, and I guess my point is this, if you're that at that point, you know, here's two people that were very similar. His path ended in death because he he couldn't make that move. Right. And I went to this move, this side of sobriety, and we went this way. We went up and skyrocketed. So there's another way. And if anybody hears this, I know a lot of people hear your podcast. You get a great podcast. Mm -hmm. If you're in that point, you know, I just, you know, if we can make any impact on somebody is think about that, that mirror image, two people very close, very identical. One went sober and one didn't one ended in death and we're right. on the rise and you know i guess that's it i don't want to say too much more because i might start crying <laughs> so no, that's I, all right i want to do that so but that's you know and i mean my audience needs to hear that right that's the opposite of where we're at right and that could happen to us three if we yeah. make one bad decision to decide to have that drink they're going to be like where did mike and bev and max go oh who knows right yeah. um but i don't know i if you have you watched that video i guys i sent you yes yeah it was good huh all right we yeah. talk about it hit yes. home it hit home big time. right so my next question for you is happiness right knowing i put the why in there what does happiness mean to you and how does that show up in your life on a daily basis i'll, I'll start there okay for me and this came from a lot of stuff that bev has worked with me on is being present, um, learning to enjoy the process of everything, enjoy that moment. Um, and she she learned a lot of that in her recovery, you know, going to meetings and wow. stuff. And I would always be, you know, thinking of the future where, you know, my mind was always racing. And, and then I'll give you an example. I, when I worked at that company, I set a goal to break the company history record. Okay. Before I started my business, I was in sales. We had, we were the largest independent printing company in the United States. So it's a big company been in business 50 years. I didn't want to just be number one. I wanted to break the record of the history of the company. And I was obsessed with it. Obsessed, obsessed, obsessed. Saw that reel every day in my head, how I would be, get the award on stage, what would happen, what I would say. And it happened. And when it happened, I was like, oh, I was, you know, it was great in the moment. You know, I was, everything happened just the way I dreamed it. Right. And then I was like, oh, what now? What? And when I realized all of it was in the work, all of it was in the moment of doing it, doing it. And, and I was so worried about the end and this and that. And now being with Bev, she's helped me be present, you know, be, uh, to learn to enjoy it this process, everything, this moment we're having right here. Absolutely. Really be in that. And that is, I guess, my biggest takeaway from that. Yeah. Um, happiness for me is being okay in my own skin and accepting me for me after I've peeled away the character defects. Okay. And I needed to do that. But that was a process because I couldn't, right. I didn't love myself. I didn't accept myself. I didn't trust myself because I made bad choices, bad choices with men, bad choices, period, in general. And so once I was able to let go of the vices that were holding me hostage and I could say, Beverly, you're good. Like, 
look at the goodness that you are and write it on paper and learn to love myself for who I was, okay? And stop judging myself or being mean to myself. That's when I start, and living in the moment, okay? That's when I start to find true happiness within myself. Now, when you add a perfect partner, okay, that's your perfect fit for you, that just, I mean, makes it so much better. But for my own self, that true happiness is really getting to know, like, who I am. And, you know, the one thing that we didn't touch on, and I hate to backtrack, is since we quit alcohol, okay, everything has excelled. Our business, our relationship, our fitness, like our health, everything has gotten better. And anybody that's on the outside that knows us, that watches us, can't deny that. They've seen it. They've watched our company like double in size. They've watched us just totally shred down and be healthy and happy and fit. And he's 58. I'm 53. Like we're reversing our age, you know, because it. as you know, alcohol, I mean, it destroys you. It ages you rapidly and it Absolutely. just it's everything within you, all your hormones and all that. So that stuff is right along with that happiness too of when you let something go that has such a control on you and you go, I don't need that anymore. You can find your happiness. It's there, right? Yeah. You just got to fill that stuff up. Couldn't have said it better myself. I love it. Awesome, you guys. So if people want to work with you guys or need your services or want to work with you as a coach, uh, how can they get a hold of you guys? Well, I'll pop my number on. I don't care, but um, you can go through Instagram. It's Beverly Sloan. Okay. Um, pretty simple that way. And if somebody truly is in dire need that wants to get in touch with me, I'll say my number at 636-248-9799. Awesome. Um, I don't like to leave anybody hanging, you know, if they're in dire needs. Right. But um, in our company, um, you can go to our website, which is EliteSolutionsGroup.com. We're a solutions provider for anybody that wants to bring a product to the retail market. We do everything from design to uh, fulfillment to all the to the whole thing from start to finish, distribution, everything under one roof. So you awesome. can look us up there call us direct uh and you can find us on instagram facebook all that so i love it well there's one more question i get to ask before you guys go and i ask this of all my guests and the question is what piece of advice would you give my audience to help them grow as human beings and become better people such a great question. That's a great question. <laughs> For me, it's stacking small habits. So I started with little small habits in my life and adding on them, stacking them on top of each other over and over again. So I started getting more self-respect, more self-love for myself. The more I did it, then I could start doing the bigger stuff, the bigger stuff. So for me is don't start necessarily at the biggest thing, but yeah. start small and then add on to it, stack it, celebrate it, realize that it's okay that, hey, I can do this, then you stack another thing. When you start doing that every single day and you be true to yourself and true to your commitment, you can accomplish anything. And that is the biggest advice I could do is be 
true to yourself, be committed to the things that you set, promise yourself you're going to do. If you make a promise that you're going to do something, don't break it. Don't break character. Because when you break character, get next thing you know, me, you, met, we're down at a bar. Do not exactly. break character, right? So I have a routine. I stick to it like a madman. I go to bed at a certain time. I wake up at a certain time. I do a lot of things. And it didn't start that way. It started with one little thing. And now when I want to break a bad habit, it's easy. I just flick it away because I have proven to myself that I can do it over and over again by doing small things over and over again. Love it, Mike. What about you, Bev? It's the compounding discipline, daily discipline that you do. And just like you said, it's the stacking of the habits and making sure they're healthy habits, of course, right? Because just like bad habits, you can reverse it and go into the healthy habits. And so my biggest thing is being honest with yourself, like truly look at your life and saying, okay, is this where I want to go? Is this where I see myself? Where am I going to go if I continue on this path? And if you know you're going to hit a, a, a dead end road over and over again, or it's death or prison or whatever, it's time to stop and go surrender, surrender. So I think it comes down to the honesty and then the daily disciplines and no negotiations. Okay. And no excuses for yourself. Like, like myself, I do not allow myself to go into excuses because if I do, I am going to take those excuses and I'm going to run wild with them because that's my personality. I'm such an extreme person. And so right. it's daily things. And I think that if people really get honest and say, man, in order to change, I have to give up this and I have to add this in, right? Yep. And some people aren't willing to do that. But if you are honest with yourself, most of the time, if somebody is truly ready, they'll do it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I love it. You guys were awesome. 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 Thank you so much. So you heard it, everybody. If you, if Mike and Beverly taught you something, made you laugh, made you think, learned something, like I said, made you go, hmm, that was really good. Please go to iTunes and leave a five-star review. We may have to bring them back again, because as you can see, we have so much to talk about. They got so much value to add. I love it. So Wherever you are in this world, again, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is Max from the Fearless Happiness Podcast. And until next time. Are you tired of being weighed down by life's traumas and struggles? Join the Fearless Happiness Lifestyle and let us guide you toward a brighter future. Explore our past podcast episodes and get a copy of the Fearless Happiness book to ignite your inner strength. If you or someone you love is battling addiction or facing challenges related to unresolved trauma, know that we are here for you. Visit maxnaist.org, M-A-X-N-I-J-S-T dot O-R-G, and take the first steps toward finding your fearless happiness. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of Fearless Happiness.